Hi, I'm Doug Bennett. Welcome to my podcast, Goals Do Come True. In 2004, I wrote 11 goals in a 59p notebook and it got tucked away in the drawer. When I found it again five years later, I found that I'd completed 10 out of 11 of the goals that I'd written down. So I set myself some more challenging goals and I now find myself in a completely different financial position. So listen in to the secrets of how goals do come true. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to this week's podcast, Goals Do Come True. Today, I am joined by Mark Baker. Now, Mark, it turns out that we met all many, 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 many years ago, but Mark is um, a recent grandfather to Romy. He has two amazingly beautiful daughters, Chloe and Robin, and an absolutely gorgeous wife, Maria, as well. So I'm, I'm guessing because I'm looking across at him now, I'm guessing that all the good looks come from Maria's side of the family, um, <laughs> which is a bit cheeky because uh, this is the first time we've met in probably many, many, many years. And I've started it off with an insult, but hopefully the compliment in there to Maria will, will help. Mark, I know that you're an amazing goal setter. I mean, you, you know, you've written a book, your unbreakable spirit book uh it's very moving i've i've read that um so you've got some incredible stories to tell so crack on mate tell us tell us a little bit about life in jersey which is where you're from and where you live and a little bit about your career i think you've got another book coming out soon as well so share that with us and also he does fire walking there's no end to this man's talent so uh, mark crack on well, lovely to be here, Doug. And um, as we alluded to earlier, we did meet and we actually only realised that we, we met 22 years ago on exactly the same sales idea passion uh, session at the Life Insurance Association. Uh, so that that's quite remarkable, really, in the grand scheme of things. Now, you said you wanted me to talk about goal setting, which is something I'm quite pleased to talk about. I haven't had the listen to any of your podcasts yet. I've got them all saved. But as you quite rightly said, I'm writing my second book at the moment, The Imprint Phenomenon which is about how belief and expectation drives your life. And belief is the driving force in your life. And when you said you were doing all these podcasts about goal setting, I I really felt that we should talk because fundamentally, what I will talk about regarding goals is probably nothing like you've spoken about when you've regarded to goal setting already. And, you know, you hear things like, you know, traditional goal setting is write it down. And I've listened to a thousand self-help tapes over the years and they say if you write it down then it'll miraculously appear but it's, it's just not true it doesn't happen like that <laughs> you know, as much as we'd all like it to wow and, you know he's just dissing everything that <laughs> i stand for and so and, and that's probably fair enough it's probably fair enough the way we started so no brilliant crack on i'm i'm all for sharing all the different ways that goals work and um, so crack on Sorry, I interrupted you there. No, no trouble at all. I mean, what I want to talk about really is a psychological aspect and tools that I came across because uh, one of the first things I was introduced to as far as goal setting was concerned was SMART goals. Um, I'm sure you've probably been aware of the concept of that. I'm I'm not an advocate of SMART goals whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, I'm just not, although it does have its place. If you are somebody that doesn't believe in yourself very much or you've got self-esteem issues then I think smart goals are a great way to start to build yourself up to get some kind of incremental improvement in your life I think that's absolutely essential but for people you know high performers people that are used to doing great things and having big goals and smart goals don't really work I mean one of the 
acronyms are that the smart acronym is smart a specific measurable achievable realistic and time scale well as soon as i read that that just put me in a bad mood when i was introduced to it because you know realistic and achievable that that what does that say to you because to me it says small so you know a realistic goal is is let's say increase your business by five percent now we're, we're both former financial i'm a former financial advisor you're a current financial advisor but you know a, a realistic goal then for you would be to increase your business by five percent now, all you really need to do that is have one appointment extra a month, which is 12 appointments a year. And if you're closing one to, out of three sales, you've got an extra four sales, which will increase your business by 5%. So there's no real rocket science there. It's not even that exciting. You know, how can you get fired up by saying, well, you know, just do an, another, another appointment once a month? It just doesn't excite you. But in the beginning, I was awful at setting goals. I started out my career at Abbey Life, and I went on to Allied Dunbar. And I had a, a great manager. Allied Dunbar, but he, he was really quite motivational. But he, he came into me and he said, all right, he said, at the end of the year meeting, he says, what is your goal for next year? And uh, I was doing pretty badly, to be honest with you. I wasn't earning £20,000 a year. And we had all of these different specifications, like you had a, a Kestrel level, and then you had the Falcon level, and you had the Super Falcon. I don't know why they used birds, but that was what they did at the time. So, And I desperately wanted to be a Falcon, which was 40000 a year. And he says, well, I think what, what is your goal? I said, I'm going to set my goal. It's like I'm going to be a falcon. And as soon as I walked out of his office, I got this blinding headache because I, as soon as I walked out the door, I closed the door and thought, how am I going to do that? <laughs> because I had no idea. I had no idea. I thought I'm struggling to make 20,000. I've just made a goal to, to earn 40,000 a year. And I actually had no idea how to do it. And then things gradually improved. I worked my guts off to become a member of the Million Dollar Roundtable, which was something that I aspired to do for a very long time. It was an, it's an incredible organization. I had some of the happiest times in my life there. People think that's quite sad. I used to actually dream about going to an insurance meeting, but I did. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I'm with you all the way on that one. I just love MDRT. Oh, no, I, I, I did love it. I absolutely loved it, and I still miss it to this day. But I was so passionate about sales, and I was so passionate about goal setting and life insurance. I went there, and I listened to the speakers, and I was, I'd never been so excited in all of my life. And then you go to the exhibition hall, and they're selling every single tape of every single speech that's ever been given, which I actually bought every single one of them. And I had to buy this suitcase from a side road California shop because it was in Anaheim, my first meeting in 96. And it's one of these giant suitcases, which its only really purpose could be to put bodies in because it was that big. <laughs> but I filled it up with tapes. And when I got home, I was listening to this tape by a guy called Norman Levine, who became a really great friend of mine. And Norman spoke about the tragedy of his life and how he came from New York and how he had a little girl and she died and his wife and, and his marriage broke up because of the stress of, of the death of the child. So he decided fresh start and he was going to move over to California. And he spoke about how, without knowing anybody, he qualified for a million dollar round table in just one month. And the one thing I noticed about the speech was as much as it fired me up, the thought that came into my mind as soon as I heard that was, I could never do that. All right. Yeah, yeah, now, I, yeah. I was actually riddled with, with, self, with a lack of self-belief at that stage, as, as hard as I worked. I mean, I was working until 11 o'clock at night to qualify for a million dollar round table. I, you know, I really worked hard to get there, which is too much work to, to, to get into that level of business. But I was desperate to do it. But um, and I just in that moment, I realized I had very little self-belief. As you know, from reading my book, I was physically and mentally abused for, for the first 20, pretty much the first 20 years of my life. Uh, most of that was psychological and, and, it, and it destroyed me as a person, which is how I got into personal development, because I was just really trying to fix myself. But uh, as it was in that moment of clarity, I realized that 
it was a lack of belief in myself. Now, we've all heard, you know, all you need to do is believe in yourself. We've all heard that a thousand times through our lives. But if you actually stop and think about it, what does that actually mean? It's, it's, <laughs> it's really tough. You know, it's really it actually, tough to believe in yourself, isn't it? You, you do, but but no one knows how to. If I actually <laughs> ask you how you believe in yourself right now, you couldn't actually explain it to me. You, you may you may be able to, but for the vast majority of people, they can't. So it started me on this, this journey of, of self-development, and I, I learned a great deal, and I put it in, into practice. Um, now, one of the techniques that I came across, which was most powerful for setting goals, was visualization. Now, visualization is the most powerful tool that you'll, as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the most powerful tools that you'll ever engage in in your life. And just to put a, a little bit of an idea there for you, most people say, this is a very common saying people have, oh, I'll believe it when I see it, you know, and that's like a negative belief, you like, but that's not actually true because you'll see it when you believe it. Everything that comes into your life comes from belief. Belief is the driving force in your life and visualization is the key to that for belief change and also for setting goals now i I, I don't want to bore you with any any exercises or anything that you've that you've done a million times but i'll mention it because it's it's really relevant and it's just one of those things that i've probably done a thousand times but have you ever done the lemon exercise uh no that is a new one on me okay right you haven't i I always imagine everyone's heard that but for the benefit of explaining how visualization works in, in correlation to goal setting i'll just do this with you quickly for the benefit of the people that are going to be listening to this now, imagine, I just want you to, everybody that's listening, to sit down and relax if you can, not if you're driving a car, obviously, um, not a good time to be doing that. But if you're, if you're actually in a safe place where you can sit down, maybe at your, your desk or whatever, just close your eyes and take a couple of deep breaths. And as you exhale, just say, relax. And just do that several times. Now, without opening your eyes, I just want you to imagine that you're sitting in your garden on a hot summer's day. And you're really, really thirsty. And next to you on the table is a jug with some water. And there's this lemon on the table. Now, I want you to pick up this lemon in your imagination. And I want you to run your fingers over it. I want you to feel its waxy surface and the pimples. And squeeze it. And you know this is going to be a really juicy and bitter lemon. So you put it down on the plate. And you pick up the knife. And you cut it in half. It really is juicy. As you pick it up, the juice just runs all over your fingers. So you decide that you're going to take a little sip of this lemon. So you tilt your head back and you squeeze the lemon juice. And this bitter lemon juice runs all over your tongue. Now, come back and open your eyes. Now, did you feel anything when you did that? I felt the whole thing. But did you actually feel any sensations in your mouth? You don't have to. Now, there's a reason why some people don't, and I'll, I'll cover that in a second. But for, for a lot of people listening, they will start salivating. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, I have to tell you, I've done that exercise with people a, a thousand times, and I'm still having to, um, I'm salivating as I'm talking to you now, because it happens to me every single time. Now, if you didn't actually feel the sensation and you didn't get the benefit of the visualization, and don't worry, because not everybody can actually see images like that and, and, and secure the results of doing so. But that's that's not really a problem. Now, many of us are, are what we call eidetic visualizers, which means that we can when we visualize, we th- see things in bright technicolor. But for some people, they just can't see a visual image. But research has shown that actually exactly the same thing can be achieved with thought by thinking things and by bringing things into your, into your future by by just thinking about them but the key to that is by thinking about it with intent and feeling of all the emotions of them. now 
Now, why does that lemon exercise work? Why do we salivate when we haven't actually sucked on a lemon? Why, why did that happen? <laughs> okay, now there's a reason for that, and it's and it's because of this. First of all, you went, you relaxed yourself a little bit, and you went into your imagination in a relaxed state. Okay, now when you visualize, you're engaging your subconscious mind, and your subconscious mind cannot tell the difference between something that is real and something that is vividly imagined. Okay, that makes a lot of sense to me. That's not possible. So when you see something in your mind's eye, you're actually creating a memory of something that hasn't happened so you've got a past reference from which to base your future achievements on but it also works for bringing things in, into your life now what it does when you visualize it creates something called structural tension yep so then you've got to your your either subconscious mind has either got to make it happen or give up on the goal now to make it give up on the goal it's normally because you've just done this as a one-off thing you've tried visualizing on a, on a one-off basis and and then you've left it and you imagine something amazing to happen and it didn't happen because there was no repetition there. The key to making your subconscious mind use structural tension to make something happen is to do it on a regular basis. So there's there's ways to do this. You know, there's, there's two times to visualize. So and they are the first thing in the morning or just as you're going off to sleep. And there's a very specific reason for this. And it's because that. If you've tried visualizing during the day or planning things out for your future in the daytime, then your, your conscious mind interferes. Now, we've all got that little voice within us that tells us that we're going to mess it up. We've never succeeded before when we've attempted it and it beats us left, right and center. And I had terrible problems with that because of what happened to me in my earlier life. But after once I understood the process, it, it didn't really, really matter so much. But it was it was a case of. You know, the structural tension, it moves you towards it, but you've got to do it repetitively. Now, as I said, the, the, what I was getting to into there was when is the time to do this? Well, if you're going off to sleep, as you go to sleep, your brainwave cycles slow down, slow down. You're normally functioning over 20 brainwave cycles per second. But when you're going to sleep, your brainwave cycles slow down to between 7 and 14 cycles per second. Now, that is when you can communicate directly with your subconscious mind without subconscious interference. So it's a brilliant way of doing it with visualization, because when you're imagining something in your mind during that relaxed state, you haven't got this little voice saying, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. You attempted that last year and that failed. So you know, what makes you think anything's going to be different this time? But all of that is lost. You don't. And it's nicely lost because you don't want it. But we lose all of that when we visualize as we go off, go off to sleep. And it's absolutely amazing. Now, I have, I have to give you a couple of personal experiences as to what happened for me when I first realized because I actually had a lot of meetings with psychologists when I started speaking, but when they heard my story, they were fascinated by it because they said, well, you know, you actually engaged growing up in a lot of things that weren't even spoken about at the time. I, I used to use visualization, but I didn't know I was using visualization. Yeah. And um, because I, I was getting quite severely abused uh, by my father, uh, physically and mentally, not otherwise, I used to try and go to bed early. I used to go to bed about six o'clock in the evening. You can imagine how rare that was for a teenager to go to bed at six o'clock. But what I used to do was I used to go to bed at six o'clock because I had this belief that when I got to 20, everything was going to be okay. So I just wanted, I figured the best way to get there was to sleep my way through my life until I got to 20. Wow. Which, um, which is it's quite sad really, but yeah. it, it all came good in the end. But that was just, I just wanted to get rid of the days as quickly as possible to get to 20. Ironically, the day I can remember my 20th birthday is if it was yesterday and I just woke up and I, the day that I thought <laughs> was life was changing. 
nothing actually changed. Now, <laughs> I, I suppose it had changed because I was out of that situation, but there was no fanfares or anything or, or balloons flying up in the sky. It was just another day. But the point I'm trying to make is I had this vision as a child. Now, as you remember, I said the best time to visualize is when you go to bed and you're just going off to sleep. I used to do that every single night, but I, I had no idea. It was the perfect time to do it but I didn't know that it was a perfect time to do it. And I wasn't even, I didn't even know there was such a thing called visualization at the time. But I used to have this vision every single night of my life from about the age of nine or 10 till I was 18 when my parents eventually got divorced and I just stopped doing it then. And I had this vision whereby, and it kept me alive, this vision, by the way, because I, was, I had multiple suicidal thoughts during teenage years due to what happened. But this vision literally saved my life because I used to imagine this, I'd had this, I'd open this door to this bedroom and then there'd be this beautiful woman there lying there with this wavy black hair and next to her was this little girl with her arms flailed up over her head asleep next to her and to the right of the bed there was a cot with a little blonde little girl with a tuft of hair sticking up from her head and one thing that always happened in this vision was the room was bathed in an orange glow now I had absolutely no idea when I was visualizing this but I just visualized this orange glow in this room with my life and it was it was it was a safe place in the future that I was trying to get to and I would visualize it, you know, it was eight or nine, 10 years every night of my life I did this. Now, as I told you, when I got to 18, parents got divorced and I really didn't think about it anymore. In fact, I completely forgot it. And I was, fast forward to I'm 30 years of age and I'm out selling life insurance and I was out with this, trying to sell life insurance to these two aging hippies that continually smoked hash the whole time I was there. Uh, and it was a long meeting. I got there at seven o'clock and I didn't... <laughs> I didn't leave here till half eleven at night, which would have, which, which would normally made me really irritated. Okay, um, were you chilled? Were you chilled about well, that? I was just about to say <laughs> you stole, you've stolen my next line because I felt so relaxed. <laughs> I have no idea why why I felt so relaxed. I eventually left there with a the sale, and I got home and I got I was I got to the house and I was getting changed in the bathroom, so I didn't wake anybody up. And as I opened my bedroom door, I just had this shiver go down my spine and all the hairs on my arms stood up on my on my arms and I thought and I started to weep and I thought what the hell is going on here am I having a, am I exhausted am I having a nervous breakdown or something and and then it hit me I looked at the bed and there was my wife my beautiful wife lying there with her long black wavy hair lying across the pillow um, my younger older daughter Chloe was lying there with her arms flailed over her shoulders and I turned to the right and my little daughter was lying there with a little palm tree tuft of hair and a cot. But it wasn't even that that made me remind, reminded me of the vision that I'd had all those years ago. What it was, was that the room was bathed in an orange glow. Now, what had actually happened, um, because that orange glow had never been there before, my wife had been out that day to buy one of those soft glowing orange lamps to give soft light in the bedroom so the children don't, aren't in total darkness. But So it was really there just so I wouldn't come in and kick the bed and kick mm -hmm. the cot and wake everybody yeah. <laughs> but it, that's what happened so so that's the power of visualization it wasn't similar to what i had imagined through those years when i was trying to survive it was exactly as i had imagined and, that and that's the power incredible. Of and that is the power of visualization you know now i never set to set out to do that with any intent whatsoever oh. it was just a safe place in my mind that i created to get there but when it happened to me i, I realized in that moment that you know I was really onto something here and this really worked and I started to use it in insurance. And, I, and one thing I, I did was I used to visualize meetings before I actually went to them. 
and I used to visualize all the objections that could come up in the meeting. And I used to shock myself sometimes because why is I'm imagining what objections would come up? Objections would come up in my mind that I hadn't even thought of. Right. <laughs> you know, and I, and I, you know, you actually jump, you know, you shock yourself sometimes. And I'd sit up in my chair and go, oh my God, where did that come from? You know, and then I'd work out what the answer to that objection was. And then quite often I'd be out in meetings that I'd pre-rehearsed what might happen in the meeting and those objections would come up. Now, on, a, on another day, I would have gone uh, buh, 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 and not known what to say and um, and lost the sale. But I just knew the answer to these objections. So it really is really a, a powerful tool. There's a couple of steps that go with it. Are we okay for time? Because I'm really getting into this and I'll probably be until 12 o'clock unless you shut me up. But yeah, well, you know, if that happens, that happens. Okay, all right. Now, there's there's two things you want to think about with visualization. Now, there's outcome and process. Now, the actual visualizing aspect of it is based upon the outcome that you want. Okay, so you're visualizing what you want to happen. You're not visualizing the steps to get there. You're seeing yourself as already achieving the goal. Okay, that's the that's the idea of the visualization. And the good thing to do is, is to use all of your senses. Imagine how you'll feel when you've achieved the goal. Allow yourself to feel that in your body. Um, feel the sensations that you would have if you were there. Uh, feel the wind on your face if, if it's a boat and you're on the boat and you're hearing the waves whapping up against, lapping up against the side of the deck. Use every single emotional stimulus that you can, the joy that you'll feel. Uh, it could be meeting your soulmate. It could be anything, but just involve yourself. And it's also very important to see it through your own eyes. So you're actually in, in the picture. So you're looking at the goal through your own eyes. Now, that of its own works all by itself. But to make it doubly effective, then you need to, once you've done your visualization, you need to work on the process side of things as well. So then you set up a strategy on how to get to where you want to do, for, where you want to get to with the goal. So, and the two combine themselves are one of the most powerful things that you could ever, ever do. And it's, and it's like I said, as far as belief change is concerned, we've all got limiting beliefs, by the way. Even if you're very successful and you're making £100,000 a year, for example, well, the reason why you're not making £250,000 a year or £500,000 a year, because that's your belief level that you're at. Yes. And you'll know where your limiting belief is, because if you just try this and you say to yourself, right, next year I'm going to do a million a year in first year commissions, for example, because we're talking from the sales aspect at the moment, a little voice will come up in your head and say, like I never do Right. That's not going to happen. That, yeah. That's impossible. That's not yeah. going to happen. So now you know you're seeing, and then you can come down. Well, I'll, I'll do seven hundred fifty thousand then, and the little voice kicks back in again. That's never going to happen, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you come back and you find out to where the level that you actually can see something happening. Yes, and that's your comfort zone. But your comfort zone isn't your reality. That's just the reality. Your reality as you perceive it to be. You know, it's like the elephant that's trained for the circus, the, the young elephant. They tie them into the ground with these really heavy pegs and these heavy chains. So the elephant can't move. But as they grow up into, into like three or four ton elephants, you know, there's not really a spike that would keep an elephant of that weight in. But because they've been conditioned to think that they can't break out of that chain, they don't even attempt to do it. Yes. And it's only because they've been conditioned to think that. Now, we're all the same, by the way. We're all conditioned as in the level of success in the life we can have. And, and the little voice will kick in and every time that we think we're going beyond it. Now, what ca- will happen or what can happen is you'll excel in yourself by accident and you'll do really, really well. But if it's beyond your comfort zone, you'll start to rationalize that that's not me. Um, yes, that, it was just lucky. Yeah, I was lucky. That was the very next word that was going to come out of my mouth. It was just a fluke. It was lucky. That's not like me. 
Yeah. But we don't stop and ask ourselves the question, well, why isn't it me? Because I just did it. You know. <laughs> yeah, obviously... I've, I've got tingling going on here yeah. because, you know, I've, I've written my book, which is due out any minute, and it was all about goals. And I've, you know, gradually increased the 100K goal over the years. And it's like, and 100K was my limit in my head. But, uh, you know, it's just got bigger and bigger. And I think people do need to try this stuff out on something. Maybe, you know, as you say, start with the smart goals, get it realistic and stuff, but stretch yourself just to prove that it works, maybe. Or should you just go for it anyway, do you think? Well, you know, it's, it's, if you've got to, the easy way of saying this is that you've got to have a goal that excites you. Okay. Yep. A 5% increment in business is not going to excite you. No. Uh, it's not going to evoke uh, any kind of excitement or joy or excitement to get up in the morning. It's just not going to happen because what we, you have to think about is, is there's something called a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And your self, self-fulfilling prophecy is totally dictated to by the level of belief that you have in yourself. Okay. So if you set yourself, now I'm, I'm, I'm bringing in the self-fulfilling prophecy because you said, should you just go for it? Well, yes and no. Yes, if you have the belief and no, if you don't, because if you don't have the level of belief in place, it's not going to happen. So think about how a self-fulfilling prophecy works. You know, you start off, let's say you've got very low belief in your potential. okay, and you set yourself a goal. So then so your expectation then to achieve the goal is low, isn't it? Because you're very low. So you've got low expectation. So if you don't expect very much, then you're not going to make much of an effort because you don't expect it to happen. Where's the impetus to take action? Because it's not going to happen anyway. So why waste your time putting in the effort? So if you do put in any effort at all, you'll put in low effort. Low effort will come back with a low result. And then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And you say, well, I knew I couldn't do it. (laughs) So if you generate the high belief levels of belief in yourself and you set up and you've got high expectations for your, for your goal, you will take massive action. Now, just by the fact that you expect to succeed and you take the corresponding action action to make it happen, you're going to get a big result. But what was the difference in the two scenarios? It was just the level of belief that you had in the first place. So we can't get away from belief as being a driving force in our lives. I've said it a couple of times, but it really is. It's the driving force in your life. And goal setting is kind of futile unless you have the level of belief there in the first place to make it happen. It just isn't possible. It becomes very frustrating. It's like another good example of that is, is the new year's resolution. Now everybody sets new, well, everybody sets new year's resolutions until they get in probably to most people drop off from doing that by the time they get to 40. So many new year's resolutions that didn't see the light of day of February that they just get so disenchanted with themselves and frustrated with themselves that they, they never bother doing it again. And it's exactly the same thing with goal setting. You've got to have the belief in place to make a big goal happen. So in answer to your question, should you just go for it? Yes, but you have to get the fundamental beliefs in place that will allow you to do it. Otherwise, it just won't happen. We are going to stop it here, everybody. But Mark's details will be in the show notes. Reach out to him on Facebook and LinkedIn and everywhere and get his book, An Unbreakable Spirit. It is an incredible read. And Mark, thank you very much. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to review and subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify. 
I'd love to hear about your goals. You can share them with me at dougbennett.co.uk. 